If I were going to say stewardship, you'd probably think of one of these, right? It's a dollar bill. Stewardship is always talked about in forms of money. You know, God has given us money. In fact, back in, uh, back in preaching school, I remember one of our instructors walked in. He was a little upset with us at that point because, you know, we were all, mostly, most of us were all college guys and so college age guys. And so we were really good at, you know, keeping budgets and buying things that were responsible. No, not, not even close. And so he came in and he was a little upset with us. And he said something to the effect of, uh, brethren, pull out your wallets. And so we all reached in our pockets and we pulled out our wallets. And he said, no, I, I, I'm not talking about that. Pull out your wallet. That's God's wallet. Everything in that wallet is God's. The reason you have it is God's. The reason why he, he hated, he hated computers. The reason why you have all these computers sitting in front of you is they're God's. And, and he proceeded to give us a lesson on stewardship, which is good because we need to be reminded about stewardship at times. But the vast majority of times we talk about stewardship, it's about money. Either that or it's about time management, you know, redeeming the time. Colossians chapter 3, we'll talk about that here in a minute. But we talk about stewardship with relation to either money or time. Are you using your money effectively? Are you, are you budgeting? Are you spending money on things you don't need? Or so forth. Or time. Are you spending a lot of time doing something that doesn't make a lot of sense? Or something that isn't helping you or your family get to heaven? And we'll talk about stewardship and we'll beat it into the dust. Because stewardship is something that all of us need to talk about. But, stewardship is less about money. And less about time management. And more about using what God has given you for the reason God gave it to you. I mean, that's, that's what stewardship actually is. It's not just, you know, how to effectively budget or um, the, the ten best things to get yourself out of credit card debt or something like that. Stewardship is about using what God gave you for the reason and the, in the ways that God gave it to you. First Peter chapter 4 talks all about Stewardship, verse number seven. First Peter chapter four, verse seven. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, be sober-minded, for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keeping keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, do so as one who speaks. The oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves with the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So stewardship. Peter calls us to be stewards of God's grace. The question is, what does that mean, first off? And how do we do it? Verse number 10 starts this conversation with talking about gifts. As each has received a gift, let him do so to the glory of God. What is a gift? Well, it's interesting to me that, that every other time that this word gift is used in the scriptures, it's talking about the thing that, that Christians are a little nervous about talking about. And that is miracles. Acts chapter 2, you have this brand new church that is being established 
you have these apostles, these disciples that are lost. They don't know what's going on. They've, they've spent time with this, this, well, it looks like Jesus, and it sounds like Jesus, and we know it is Jesus, but he's different now. He was killed. We watched him be killed. And then we know that he was buried. And somehow he's back. And he's different. And we don't understand it completely. And now, not, o- not only are we confused about that, but now he's gone. He's left. He's gone to heaven. And now we're all alone. And we don't know what we're supposed to do. We know that he said something is coming, but we don't understand that. All he said was wait here until it happens, and we'd know when it happens. Can you just put yourself into the situation of the early Christians at that point, the disciples, the apostles at that point? Listen, folks, if it were me, I'd be terrified. I don't understand what's happening. So I'm going to go and just meet with the Christians in the upper room. It's where we usually meet. It's, a, it's in a house, it's some, someone's house. We usually get together over there. And so I'm, I'm going to just go over there and try. we're, we're going to try to figure this out. And then all of a sudden they start being able to do these things that no one has ever seen before. No one's ever seen people just automatically, boom, be able to speak different languages. No one's been able to, to be able to just walk into a place where a, a, a person is laid in rest and say, get up, and it, and it happens. No one's been able to do these things. No, one's, no one has ever been able to look at a person and discern their spirit, to know whether or not they're, they're there for a good reason or not. These miraculous gifts, they're, they're given to these people. And there are a couple times that those gifts are spoken of in scriptures. Now, in the book of Acts, of course, we see them happening over and over and over again. But for instance, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you have Paul dealing with these miraculous gifts because fast forward about 30 years and you have, a, you have an interesting problem here in the church. And that is for one reason or another, maybe because man wants to be better than the person sitting next to him, they've decided that speaking in tongues is the, the big gift. That's the one that everyone likes because that's, you know, that's the showy one. That's the one that, that's the one that it's, it's, you know, you can only... Raise so many dead bodies, I guess. I don't know. That, that one would be the big one to me. You know, you have a gift. Let me see it. Let's go to the funeral home. So forth. But anyways, for whatever reason, they had decided that, that speaking in tongues was the big one. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul deals with those miraculous gifts. And he says that these were given for a reason. They were given for a reason. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 8. When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. He who descended is the one who has ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the gifts to apostles, to prophets, to evangelists, to shepherds, and to teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the, build, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all come to unity of the faith. You see, he talks about these miraculous gifts. Now, We're scared to talk about gifts because one of two things is either going to happen. Either we're going to give the wrong impression that somehow we believe that you can keep doing these things, which Paul very clearly in in Ephesians chapter 4 says that that doesn't happen anymore. That there was a time when he gave these gifts to the certain people in the church. He gave them to the apostles, to the prophets, to the people that were speaking on behalf of God. He gave them to the teachers the people who were just 
teaching the Old Testament scriptures and the people that were writing the New Testament scriptures. He gave the gifts to pastors or to elders so that they could lead the church for the equipping of the saints to the work of the ministry until we come to the unity of the faith. And so Paul says that once there was some time in there when they, when they weren't needed anymore and they fell away. They, they just stopped. And we don't know when it happened. We don't know how it looked. We just know that Paul says that it was going to happen and now we don't have them. And so sometime between then and now, it stopped. And so we're scared because we don't want to give that impression. But also we're scared because we don't understand really what they are. It's, it's strange to us, right? To think about that someone has these abilities. But when Peter uses that word, it's in a different context. When Peter says, as each one has received a gift, let him do so to the glory of God, as it were. It's in a different context than the miraculous. And the reason is because of Ephesians chapter 4. Remember that in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, he says, as each has received a gift. As each has received a gift. But Paul said that the people that got the gifts were the apostles, the pastors, the, the prophets, the teachers, the people that, that were leading the church. Elders, apostles, preachers, Bible class teachers. Those are the people that got the gifts. But Peter says that everyone got one. Well, that's because they're talking about two different things. Peter's not talking about the miraculous. What he's talking about is your ability to do something. If you go up to my office right now, on my table, there is a very old, very grimy-looking piece of metal that is twisted up. It's bent. It's got tarnish all over it. And that's the way I like it. It's called a trumpet. I think that the dirtier they get, the better they sound. People disagree with me. Those people have the right to be wrong. Anyways, I have the ability to play a trumpet fairly well. You may have the ability to do something else fairly well. It's a talent, right? Now, I remember the first time I picked that thing up. It wasn't mine. It was my neighbor's. And I picked it up, and I put it to my mouth, and I blew as hard as I could. And you know what it sounded like? Because I didn't make any sound. And over 12, 13 years, I got to where I could play it pretty well. You see, what Peter's talking about is talents. Your gift, your talent, your ability. That didn't come overnight. You didn't just wake up one day and be able to be able to converse with people in a good way and be and be a people person, as it were, that was cultivated over time. He's talking about talents. He's talking about the gifts that we have cultivated over our lifetimes. As each one has received one of these. You were given that ability, you were given that talent by God, not miraculously, but because he allowed you to have it for one specific reason, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Because each person who is a member of the body of Christ is different. And we, we work together for a common good. And so, Peter says it like this. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Now there are some of these that don't really help that much. You know, I spent a lot of time in that practice room. I spent a lot of time bugging my mom to death. Sounded like a dying cat. 
spent a lot of time in band rooms over the years and on marching fields. And You know what it got me? The ability to sit in my office one hour every day and play a horn that no one ever hears me play. It's kind of sad, isn't it? Anyways, you know, some talents are just for fun. But some of them, some of the abilities that we have are not just for fun. Some of the abilities that we have have now become an obligation to us. For instance, a person has the ability to to communicate very well. You know what it's his job to do now? To communicate the gospel. A person has the ability to cook very well. You know what it's her job or his job to do now? To cook for the people that are in need. See, 1 Peter chapter 4 is talking about the gifts. And he says that those who do so, those who have these abilities, need to do so because, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, we are stewards of God's varied grace. If you look to the, to the books earlier in the New Testament, you find that the, the Apostle Paul was, was on a mission, not only to preach the gospel to the lost, but he, he had a more, a more earthly mission than that. You read like Romans, uh, the, the book of Romans, or you read the book of Acts, and you see that Paul is going around and gathering money. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, uh, as I've given order to the churches in Galatia, even so do you upon the first day of the week. Let everyone lay by and store as God has prospered him, that there be no collections when I come. You see, Paul had an earthly ministry, and that was, he was trying to take money, he was trying to take money to Jerusalem because the Christians there needed help. They needed money. And there were Christians all over the world at that point who had the talent of making money. One way or another, their talents meant that they had the ability to make money. Maybe it was making a tent. Maybe it was building a house. Maybe it was doing something else. They had the ability to make money. And so Paul says that they were obligated to use those talents for the glory of God. And get your money ready because I don't want there to be any collections when I get ready to come through. I don't want to have to go to Ron's house and then Forrest's house and everybody, everybody's house and just pick up money. I want you to just have it there. When I show up, I'll come to worship service. We'll worship together. Maybe you can talk me into preaching. I wish I could hear Paul preach one time in English. Because if I just heard him speak, he'd be speaking in Greek and I wouldn't have any clue what he was saying. I can read Greek. I can't speak it. But you see... In 1 Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians rather, he says, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, that the Macedonians and the Corinthians were doing so because they were were sharing the grace of God. 1 Peter chapter 4. We are stewards of God's varied, different, manifold, however your translation says it. We are stewards of God's grace. And what it means is that God's grace shows up in different places. We think about God's grace as being just what happens when you get into the water and you're baptized and God washes you from your sins. Yes, that's God's grace, but God's grace shows up in different places as well. God's grace shows up in our abilities to help other people. And he breaks it down into two different ways, two different different categories, as it were, of using our abilities, our gifts, as each one has received a gift or a talent. He breaks it into two different ways, speaking and serving. Number one, speaking. He says, if you're going to do it, you need to do it as of the oracles of God. The oracles of God are pretty interesting. You see, the pagans had oracles. They had these people who somehow had this this strange connection with God. And they, most of the time, lived 
far off in different places and you would have to go and, and visit them and so forth and they would tell you what the pagan god said. Well, really what they were doing is making it up on the fly. But nonetheless, they had these oracles. And Peter uses that word to talk about what God is doing. Because each person, each Christian has that connection See, the pagans thought that one person would have the connection to Diana or one person would have the connection to, to so forth, to some other god, Asclepian or some other god. But what Peter says is every single person, every single Christian has that connection with God. You are, you speak as the oracles of Christ. In fact, this word comes up a couple of other times. Acts chapter 7, verse 38. This is the one who was... In the congregation in the wilderness and the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers, he received the living oracles to give to us. Talking about Moses. Romans chapter 3 and verse 2. Much in every way to begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. See, Romans 1 says that the pagans are in sin. Romans 2 says that the Jews are in sin. And then Romans 3 says, see, everyone's sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3 and verse 23. And Peter's answering the question... Well, then what's the purpose of the Old Testament? If everybody's lost, what's the purpose of the Old Testament? And he says, the Jews were granted the oracles of God. The Jews didn't need some person that's off in the wilderness that you have to climb a mountain to go talk to. And you have to take some drug in order to understand what they're saying. The Jews had the oracles of God in the Torah, the books of the Old Testament, the law. They had that connection with God. And what Peter is saying is those of us who have the ability, who have the, the talent, as it were, to speak. Maybe it's not doing what I'm doing. Listen, I understand. Y'all have heard me say that I'm the exact opposite as the rest of you. The vast majority of humankind today is scared of doing what I'm doing right now. Standing up and watching the eyes of all of y'all. You notice that I never, I'm going I'm to give you a little hint, okay? you ever seen me looking at you in worship service when I'm up here? You know I don't stay on you very long? Because if it does, it freaks me out. Anyways, so I know that what I'm doing up here, it, it terrifies other people. It terrifies everyone. I, I, I get that, okay? I'm the exact opposite. It's down there that I get terrified. Up here, I'm fine. As long as I don't look at anyone's eyes for too long. So there are other people that may be scared of doing this. But they have the ability to relate to people. They have the ability to, to be a friend to someone. They have the ability to, to just simply have a conversation with someone. And Peter says that if that is your ability, if you have the, the ability to influence people through words, through the, the oracles of God, you have, and every Christian has this, but you have the obligation to use it, you have the oracle. You have the connection to God. Every single person that's sitting in here or sitting in some other worship service all around the world today has the ability, has the, the connection with God if they're a member of the body of Christ. Has the connection of God that the pagans thought that only few people would have. But Peter says that if you have the ability to use it, you need to do so as a good steward of God's grace. And then he moves on to the second point. Maybe you aren't that person that is a good communicator. Maybe you aren't the person that can have a conversation effectively or easily. 
how can you be a steward of the grace of God? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, those people in Corinth and in Macedonia and in Achaia and in Galatia and so forth, they were spreading the grace of God. They were stewards of God's grace by simply helping other people. And what Peter's saying is that every person has a place. Maybe your place is speaking. Maybe your place is not. Maybe your place is serving. And if you do so, you need to realize that you're serving with the power that God gives, with the strength that comes from God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4 and verse 13. Because God gives us the ability. He tells us how. This morning in in Bible class, I was working with the teens to, to get their lads to leaders speeches ready and it just so happened that we kind of got on the same topic that we're talking about right now by the way teens if you'll write this stuff down you could probably use some of this in your lad's speech anyways so we started talking and I said how do you serve people and they, they kind of looked at me and they said well um and I said well how did Jesus serve people oh okay he, he fed the 5,000 he healed the sick Well, we don't have those miraculous abilities. We can't just walk up to a bunch of fish and say, okay, now you're a whole bunch of fish. Um, I wish we could because then then my fishing career would be a lot better. But we don't have that ability. But we do have the talents. We have the abilities to help other people in the same way that they did them. Just because we don't have the same miraculous gifts that the early Christians had does not mean that we're any less obligated to help people in the same situations that they helped people in. We just have to do it a different way. And that's okay. It's okay. Someone says, well, you know, miraculous gifts have to still occur. Well, the the fact is we don't have any record of them occurring, but they have to still occur because how are we supposed to do what they did? We just help the same people in a different way. And that's okay have to do things in a different way as long as we end with the same result. And Peter says, if you're going to do this, if you're going to speak, you have to do it as of the oracles of God. You have to realize that you have the connection with God and it's your responsibility, it's your obligation as a Christian to spread that connection with God. But then he also says that you have the the ability to serve. You've been given these gifts, you've been given these talents and you have to use them effectively for the cause of Christ. And then he ends with something very interesting. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 11. Whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. To him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. So, see, because, because we don't have the miraculous today, it can quickly become a problem for us see, we can start thinking that we got here by our own, our own bootstraps. That, well, you know, the reason why I, I can play the, inst- the, the trumpet fairly well is because I, I worked my tail off in practice rooms. Yeah, well, I did. And, and I sat there and, and listened as people told me about thirds and scales and all the stuff that I never use anymore. Because I wanted to become a better trumpet player. Yes. But the fact is, the reason why I had that opportunity was because God. And a lot of times we will think that our talents, our abilities are only because of us. I got here because I worked hard. Well, you did. But how did you have the ability to work? God gave you that ability. 
Maybe you have the, the personality that's just, it's just a, a, a personality that you can communicate with people, you can relate to people easily, and you never really had to work on it. Maybe you're just a quote-unquote natural. Why? Because God gave you an ability, not miraculously, but through providence, he gave you an ability that now it's your obligation to use it. And the question is, how do we do that? Back up to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Above all, keeping, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling as each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another. We do so through hospitality, verse number 9. Hospitality is somewhat of an interesting word. It, it's, it's simply just how we relate to people outside the church. You see, he says that not only is it for people inside the church, we need to keep loving one another by using our gifts, using our talents to help one another in the faith. But we need to show hospitality. We need to, we need to extend these things to people outside the church. We need, to, we need to use our speaking abilities, not only to create relationships with the people that are in the pews next to you, which is important, but we need to use our abilities to create relationships with the people that aren't in the pews next to you, that are at their house right now, and it's 11.15, and normal people don't get up till 11 anyways, is what I'm told. I don't know. I'm apparently not a normal person, but... Maybe they're at home and they're just waking up. We need, to, we need to use our abilities to relate to them and become friends with them and teach them the gospel as the oracles of God because we have a relationship with God that no one else has. We need to use our abilities to help the people who are starving, the people who are sick, the people who are so forth. I heard one time a preacher was lamenting over the fact that, that the people in the church where he was, were, were they just kept coming with ideas. And, and listen, ideas are great, but... You know, we hear a million of them a day. And so, well, we should, we should start something for this group in the community, and we should help them with that, and we should help them with that, and help them with this, and help them with that. And that's true. We should as individuals because each one of us are stewards of God's grace, and each one of us have an obligation to share that relationship and the service that God provides through the strength that God provides, through loving each other and through hospitality. Because, verse number 7, the end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Because we don't know how much time we have left. And the fact is that we may not have very long. But even if we have a very long time left, back to what we talked about last week with husbands, how do we expect God to keep up his end of the bargain if we're not willing to do anything for him. Now that doesn't mean we're earning our salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. What it means is that we understand that God has promised us something if we'll do something for him. What he said to do for him was to spread the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Mark 16, 15 and 16. How do you do that? Maybe it's not by just sitting down and teaching someone. Although you need to be working on that. Talents are things that we cultivate over time, the majority of them. And so if you're not good at it now, you keep working at it. 
you'll be good at it. And you want to know the best way to get good at something? It's not to sit there and say, well, I'm scared and I don't know how and I'm just, I'm just worried. What if they do this? What if this happens? What if that happens? You want to know the best way to get better at something? is just to do it. When I first picked up that trumpet, it was Joseph down the street's trumpet. and I picked it up and I couldn't make a noise at it at all. And I went home and I begged my mom to buy one. I wasn't even old enough to play in the band yet. But I begged my mom to buy one. She went to a, to a pawn shop and she bought one. And then I spent an entire year doing nothing but trying to make a sound. Because the only way to get better at something is to actually do it. If we sit there and we say we're scared, you know what's going to happen? The same thing that's going to happen to the wives who are trying to convert their husbands. 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse, uh, Verse number 6. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you're her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. You want to know what's going to happen if we just sit there and be scared? Wives are never going to convert their husbands. Husbands are never going to teach their wives. We're never going to teach anybody. We're never going to help anyone because we're terrified to do it. Because what if they're taking advantage of us? Or what if we don't know the answer to their question? It's okay. Just do it. And if you mess up, you learn something. And you go next time and you don't mess up in that way. And you'll mess up some other way. You'll put your foot in your mouth one way or another. You'll offend someone. It's okay. Because what's happening is even though the messenger may not be perfect, the message is. And so we need to speak as the oracles of God. We need to use the gifts that God has been given us that God has given us so that we can glorify God in everything that we do. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Colossians 3 and verse 17. See, it's it's about time that Christians start working because if you think about what happens in this book, we haven't even mentioned it today, but the persecution that they're going through, it's very easy for them to sit back and say, listen, I'll, we'll show hospitality when all this, when all it blows over, you know, when, When the firestorm of persecution blows over, then we'll start helping people. Peter says, no, you don't wait until it's okay. You just do it right now. Well, we'll we'll start teaching people and we'll start creating uh, conversations and relationships with people when when it's not dangerous for us. No, you just do it right now. Because it's time that Christians get to work then and it's time that Christians get to work now. It's time that we start being stewards of God's grace. And showing that grace to other people through whether, whether it's words, whether it's actions. If you need to become a Christian this morning, we're going to stand and sing a song of encouragement for you. And listen, it's time that they got to work. It's time that you get to work as well. Because as a non-Christian, as a person that's outside of Christ, you're completely and utterly separated from that relationship that every Christian has. And if you want to have the relationship, you've got to be in Christ. You've got to have the oracles of God. And that means you've got to be a part of the body of Christ. By being baptized for the remission of your sins, you can be added to that. And then you will have the same obligations that the rest of us sitting here have. But it's a good obligation. I think sometimes we think, we, we, we talk and we act like Christianity is just so horrible because we have to do all this stuff. Well, it's good. It's okay. It's okay to have to do some things. It betters us in the end. And it betters our eternity too. So if you want to become a Christian, we're going to stand and sing a song of encouragement for you and let us know while we do that.